0: With your Amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. NFL Total Access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft.
1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
2: Welcome to the Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, Ben Wilson, who does tremendous work here at VEASAN. He is going to be hopping on as he's actually joining me from the Vegas Golden Knights game. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be chatting with him about what we've all seen in the NL Central thus far this season. Is there upside with the Milwaukee Brewers? Are the St. Louis Cardinals finally figuring it out? And why are the St. Louis Cardinals a team that you don't want to be backing In the division, we're going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays a little bit as well. Can we expect some regression there and a few games for Saturday? Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, let us see them. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better.
0: A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
2: It was Anthony Rizzo bobblehead day in New York, and... He went tw- deep twice on his bobblehead day as the Yankees get it done by a count of 6-5 for Rizzo. Home runs number 7 and 8 of the season as he went deep off of the opener in this one, Trevor Kelly, who gave up just that one run over the course of two innings. And then he goes deep off of Jason Adam, who gave up that home run in his two-thirds of an inning. It was the other Kelly and Kevin Kelly that really gas-scanned this game, though. Three runs surrendered in and one-and-a-third innings, Josh Fleming. He gives up one solo home run over the course of his four innings as... Taking him deep, Anthony Volpe, is fifth home run of the season for Garrett Cole. Not going to say it was a horrible start, but it didn't yield a lot of length. Gave up two runs over the course of five innings. He was taken deep twice as Jose Siri. Siri, how many home runs does he have? Four for the season. And then Randy Orozarena gets his 10th home run season. Josh Lowe gets low for his ninth home run season. That came off of Michael King as the King gives up three runs in one and third innings, but... He had a pair of scoreless innings from Juaní Peralta along with Ian Hamilton. And Clay Holmes got a pair of outs of the bullpen for the Yankees to be able to get the job done. You also saw the other New York team be able to get the job done. 3-2, the Mets take down the Washington Nationals. For the Mets, Tyler McGill, relatively good start. Does give up two runs in five innings, but only one of which was earned. Francisco Lindor had a fielding error. He did allow four walks in this one, but the Nationals then go one of nine with men in scoring position. And... You had Mackenzie Gore not be long for this game either. Four innings, he doesn't give up any runs, but jacked his pitch count all the way up to 96. Andres Machado from there gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Carl Edwards Jr., he gives up a run in his third of an inning before Hunter Harvey gives a scoreless inning. And you had two scoreless out of Erasmo Ramirez for the Yankees. They go just one of nine with men in scoring position as well, but the bullpen did their part. Adam Adivino, Jeff Brigham both lend a scoreless inning, and then David Robertson, Drew Smith. They combined to be able to lend two scoreless innings. You saw the Atlanta Braves get shut out by the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 3-0 to zero as for Spencer Strider. Good start. Gives up two runs, one of which was earned. Six and two-thirds innings, 12 strikeouts. He was hurt by an error out there in the field, but, I mean, this was a good start for him, but the team was unable to pull through. Kirby Yates did allow a solo run in his ending of work going deep for Toronto, Dalton Varshow. Sixth home run of the season, and he had an out out of the bullpen out of Danny Young, but the Atlanta Braves, unlike what we've been seeing all season long, nothing doing for them. Chris Bassett had them hook, line, and sinker. Complete game, eight punch-outs. He had just two walks, has really been able to work on that. So a good win for the Toronto Blue Jays. And hey, the DKNA should write up streak. That's up to three. So a good win for us. Seven to four the Cincinnati Reds take down the Miami Marlins. For the Marlins, it was a debut of their top prospect in Yuri Perez. As for Perez, he gives up two solo home runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, going deep for Cincinnati. Jake Fraley for home run number three of the campaign, and Tyler Stevenson his second, and then Fraley, he would have the game-deciding home run in the ninth inning, going deep off of Dylan Floro. His fourth of the season, as for Floro, he really was the guy that messed this thing up. Two-thirds of inning allows three runs, including that home run. Steven O'Curtis scoreless inning. Brian Hoying, one and a third inning scoreless, Uskar Brazobin, Tanner Scott. Then you combine for an inning of work, Scott gives up two runs, but Brazobin was unable to uh, take care of the inherited runners, and then you did have an out out of the bullpen from Matt Barnes, as the Miami Rollins also did get a pair of home runs off of Graham Ashcraft, as Peyton Buttrick was able to get his first home run of the season, and Jazz Shislam was able to get his sixth, as... For Ashcraft, not great, not terrible. Four runs, three of which were earned, including those two home runs surrendered by him in five and two thirds innings. But the bullpen did their part. Alex Young, Lexus Diaz, a scoreless setting, and Ian Gabo, one and a third inning scoreless. And the Miami Marlins currently sit here a game below 500, by the way, with a negative 57 run differential. That is absolutely asinine and ridiculous. What else has been? As and ridiculous is the amount of overs that we're seeing from the Boston Red Sox. They have now played over 68% of their games in the over. 26 overs, 12 unders, as a, and a push as they are unable to get it done against the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals get an 8-6 win. Kenley Jansen came into the game in the ninth inning and could not hold it. As James Baxson, his first start in quite some time at the big league level, honestly wasn't bad. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings, punched out nine. Now, he did allow a home run to Nolan Arenado, fourth home run season. Then Wilson Contreras will go deep off of Joshua Winkowski in third home run season. But what really messed it up, Nolan Gorman, ninth home run season that comes off of Kenley Jansen. And Jansen has actually been relatively solid this year, just a second-blown save, but gives up three runs, couldn't get a single out. Winkowski gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Richard Blyer, one-and-a-third inning scoreless. You had... Uh, Ryan Brazier, lend a scoreless innings along with Brendan Bernardino, and for the Boston Red Sox, Christian Wong got his fourth home run season off of Adam Wainwright, and so did their young infielder in Emmanuel Valdez, second home run in the campaign. As not a great start here for Adam Wainwright, he is up there in years. Four runs surrendered over the course of five innings, including those two home runs from there. Andre Palanti one and two thirds innings scoreless. Ryan Elsley, he's starting to find it once again. Four punchouts, two scoreless innings to Genesis Cabrera. Did allow two runs in a third of an inning, but the Cardinals, they were able to work their way back to 14-25. and 25. Very insane to be saying that, and in the NL Central, looks like the Brewers are starting to take control, 5-1. They take down the Kansas City Royals, as for the Royals, it was Freddie Furman who was able to get a third home run season. Lone form of offense for them, that comes off of Joel Piams, who gave up that home run in an inning. Corbin Burns looked like his Corbin Burns self. Did allow four walks, but six scoreless settings. Punched out seven. Peter Streselecki and Elvis Piguero were both able to land a scoreless setting. And Owen Miller gets his first home run of the season. That comes off of the ball guy, Maximo Castillo. Castillo gives up two runs in four and a third innings. Josh Shaler the opener, he allowed an unearned run in his inning of work as... While Furman was able to have that home run, he added two uh, errors in this one. A catcher's interference and a bad throw, so not great there. Josh Shamon gives up two runs in an inning, and Amir Garrett gives you a scoreless inning. Jose Kuos two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but for the Royals now, 12-28 and 28 on the season. And for the Pirates, 10 straight games with three runs or fewer. The Baltimore Royals improved to 25-13. and 13. They get the W by a count of 6-3 for Pittsburgh. You did have Connor Joe make things go. His fifth home run season that comes off of Danny Columbia. And Columbia gives up a home run over the course of two-thirds of an inning after Kyle Bradish. Very good start. One under run given up over the course of six innings hurt by Orde Mateo throwing error. But Brian Baker comes in. For one and third inning scoreless, Felix Batista closes the door with a scoreless inning after Austin Voth got a little bit dusty there. He gave up a run and didn't get a single out, but how about Cedric Mullins being able to get home run number five of the season as he goes deep off Dwayne Underwood Jr. Allowed three runs in one and two-thirds innings Says Juan Oviedo, not a bad start. He got into some hot water, giving up five walks in five innings, but only allowed one run. From there, Jody Mareta scoreless inning. And Jose Hernandez give up two runs over the course of a third of an inning. So bullpen really let him down there. This was just a complete letdown for Matthew Boyd. Nine to two, the Seattle Mariners completely thumped the Detroit Tigers. For Boyd, he gives up six runs, five of which were earned, and he got four outs. Just absolutely an unacceptable start. From there, Tyler Alexander does give up a home run as he allowed two runs in two innings. Going deep, Julio Rodriguez, his seventh home run season. You did have Mason Englert help the bullpen a little bit. Two and two-thirds innings scoreless. Will Vesta scoreless inning. You had Jose Cicerno getting out of the bullpen and Tyler Holton allowed a run in one and two-thirds innings. But for Seattle, Marco Gonzalez did his part. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings for Detroit. Then you got a home run off of Jason Rogers' bat, his fifth home run season. From there, scoreless innings from Trevor Gott, Justin Topa, and Taylor Saucito as the Seattle Mariners have right around a 260 bullpen area. That leads the league. They have been very impressive with that regard. What else has been impressive has been the Guardians' bullpen. That was up until Friday night, as the Angels rally to be able to get a 5-4 to win as they come up with a two-spot in the ninth inning off of a manual class A, set up by a Mike drop double to lead off the inning as Logan Allen not the start he was looking for, gives up three runs and four and a third innings. From there, the rest of the bullpen ended in their part as Trevor Steven, James Karen, Jack both on the scoreless ending. Nick Sandlin, one and two thirds innings, scoreless, but for the Guardians. One of eleven with men in scoring position. They did get a home run from Josh Naylor, his fourth home run season. He nailed it off of Matt Moore, who gave up that sole run over the course of two innings. Carlos to seven. So, scoreless inning to be able to get the save. And for Tyler, Anderson, he gives up three runs over the course of six innings, so was able to do his part. Speaking of being able to do their part, if you've been taking a look at Oakland A's overs, those have been highly profitable. 24 overs, 13 unders, and two pushes for them thus far this season. And the Rangers have played 60% of their games to the over. This was another one, and Oakland walks it off. 9-7 the final as This game was all sorts of topsy-turvy. Martin Perez gives up three home runs, Four runs in total over the course of five innings. Going deep for Oakland, you had Esteri Ruiz. That was his first career home run. Home run number three of the season for Carlos Perez. So Perez on Perez crime. And then you also had Kevin Smith get his third home run season. Later on in the game, Brent Rooker would go deep for a walk-off home run. His 11th of the season that came off of Brock Burke. Brock got Brock and rolled. Four runs, three of which were earned, give it up, in two-thirds of an inning as Cole Reagans one and a third inning, scoreless Jonathan Hernandez, Josh Saboris, both on the scoreless, sending in for Texas. Robbie Grossman did his part, fourth home run of the season. He can go deep off of Spencer Patton out in the bullpen as Patton, he was getting padded down, giving up that one run in two-thirds of an inning. Ken Waldachuk, five walks, surrendered in five innings, gives up four runs, three of which were earned. Another not-so-great start as you did have from there Richard Lovelady, Sam Maul, combined for a scoreless inning, Austin Pruitt, one in third inning, scoreless, and then Zach Jackson gives up two runs, one of which were earned as Shintaro Fujinami gets his first MLB win, gets a final two outs of the 10th inning without giving up a run. So, yay Verily there. The LA Dodgers look like they're back to their LA Dodgers ways. They are now back up to 24 and 15. They take down the San Diego Padres by kind of four to one. And this is a Dodgers bunch that all of a sudden in this month they are, I believe, eight and one in the month of May. So slow start for them, but they have picked it up ever since then. Dustin May gives up two runs in six and two thirds innings. But from there, you did have Caleb Ferguson get a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Evan Phillips, he gets a final five outs as a pair of home runs were able to spring the Dodgers a victory. Both come off of Tim Hill. Freddie Freeman, seventh home run season. Mookie Betts is eighth. Betts has been off to a little bit of a slow start, so that's a good sign as Blake Snell wasn't bad in this one. Did issue four walks, but goes six innings, gives up two runs, and then Tim Hill gives up those two home runs in a third of an inning before you have Domingo Tapia, Linda Squirrel inning, and Luis Garcia was able to get a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well and for the Padres. They are now 19-20 and 20 this year. Less than savory, and... The team that is right now hot on the Dodgers' heels, that'd be the Arizona Diamondbacks. They get a 7-5 win over the San Francisco Giants. They tried using an opener for Ross Stripling, but it looks like nothing is fixing Ross Stripling. John Breby has scoreless inning before Stripling. Comes in for three and a third innings, allows two home runs. As you had Evan Longoria go deep for his fifth home run season. Dominic Fletcher was able to get his first home run the campaign. And then from there, you had Jacob Junis allowed two runs, one of which was earned. Alex Wood. Why they're trotting him out there from the bullpen, I have no idea, but he gives up a run in an inning, and Scott Alexander, a scoreless inning for the Giants. They got a pair of home runs as well. They lead the league in terms of home runs per game on the road at the very least in National League. Rays lead the American League, but Jock Peterson, fifth home run season, Michael Conforto, his sixth of the campaign as both of those come off of Ryan Nelson. Not a good start for Nelson. Four and two-thirds innings, allowing those two home runs. Four runs in total. But from there, Anthony Machevich, Kyle Nelson combined for two scoreless innings. Scott McGough did not make things a go. He gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. But Andrew Chafin, a scoreless inning. And Miguel Castro able to get a pair of outs out of the bullpen for that W. This game had quite a lengthy rain delay. But 5-1, the Houston Astros continue the demise of the Chicago White Sox. We're now 13-27 and 27 this year. A, my goodness gracious, this has just been a turd of a performance all season long from the Chicago White Sox, who are, by the way, 6-11 at home, and strangely for the Houston Astros, they're now 12-7 and 7 when they're on the road at home. They've actually just been 8-11, and 11, so that has been something to watch out for, but for the Houston Astros, Jordan Alvarez goes deep in the ninth inning off of Jimmy Lambert, his ninth of the campaign. Damage was already done, though it's Michael Kopech. Just didn't lend a lot of length. He gives up one hit in four and two thirds innings, but six walks to give up two runs. Gregory Santos has really been their best bullpen relief guy. Two runs surrendered in and one and a third innings. Aaron Bummer, Keenan Middleton both lend a scoreless inning before Lambert gives up his home run. And lone form of offense for the White Sox, Luis Robert goes deep off of JP France. Ninth home run of the season. For France, he was parting it up in Chicago. One run surrendered in six and two thirds innings. Hector Narison out of the bullpen. And then Brian Abreu, Ryan Presley. They both line a scoreless inning. So the Astros getting online and the White Sox. Boy. Not good to say, at least. For the Philadelphia Phillies, they get back to 500. 6 to 3. They take down the Colorado Rockies, who haven't been as great at home as you'd like them to be. Austin Gomber not the world's worst performance, gives up three runs in six and two-thirds innings, including a pair of homers for the Philadelphia Phillies, Alec Bohm, fourth home run season, Kyle Schwarber is ninth. From there, you had Justin Lawrence, who has been solid in the bullpen, give up three runs in one and a third innings, Brad Hand, scoreless inning. but for the Phillies, Diamond Walker was able to give some very nice length, giving up three runs over the course of six innings. From there, Matt Stramser, Anthony Dominguez, and the much-beligned Craig Kimbrell were all able and scoreless innings, be able to get that one to the window, and the Minnesota Twins, Continue to be relatively solid to the under, but this one hardly trickles over the total as you needed three runs in the ninth inning to get the over. The Chicago Cubs win by a count of 6-2 to as for the Minnesota Twins, not a bad start here from Sonny Gray. He gives up a one run in five and a third innings, nine punch outs, and then the bullpen completely just pooped all over themselves. Giovanni Morin. Two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but Griffin Jax gets jacked up, giving up two runs at in an inning. Ori Alcala gives up two runs of one and a third innings, including home run going deep for the Chicago Cubs. Christopher Morrell, second home run season, then Derek Rodriguez gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen, allowing a run along the way. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, Nothing doing for them as they entered into the night hitting a 221 as a collective, and they got just four hits. As Drew Smiley, he was smiling about this one. Two runs were entered in six innings. Ed Bear two scoreless innings. Mark Leiter Jr., he was able to end a scoreless inning as well. And if you take a look at baseball right now, totals have been very much normalized. After we saw a whole bunch of overs begin the season, bookmakers have went to work, and the unders have been the play. 48 unders at 38 overs over the last seven days in Major League Baseball. That is a hit rate of 55.8%. Favorites are right now in a pit of misery as well. 43 and 46 straight up over the last seven days, and 12 of those favorites have won outright and failed to cover the run line. Favorites on the run line 31 and 58. And if you're taking a look at the entirety of the MLB season, favorites. They have been overall relatively solid on the money line, 332 and 243. But among these 332 favorites, you have seen 84 not be able to cover the run line. And now the unders have the lead on overs, 280 unders to 275 overs. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we all got on Friday. Now let's take a look at the NL Central and Perhaps a little bit of regression for the Tampa Bay Rays with our good friend Ben Wilson who does amazing work at VSN. Also take a look at some games for Saturday with them next right here on the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of Decent Family Podcast.
3: Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit
0: them at sbia1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft.
4: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
2: We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the and Family podcast. Great to be joined by this man. It's Ben Wilson. Does incredible work here at the network. You're able to catch him weekends doing our live betting coverage. He actually comes on before me every Sunday. So you're able to catch him over there. And this man is full of many different talents as he does some great work with guards play by play when it comes to football, basketball, baseball, you name it. He does it. And I mean, he's so multi-talented. He's doing this from the Vegas Golden Knights game. So, I mean, that shows just... The level of the 5-2 player that Ben Wilson is, as you're able to follow him on Twitter, at Ben underscore Wilson, and then another underscore, and then the number one all together. And Ben, great to have you aboard. Thank you.
3: Best intros in the biz from you, Greg. Yes, always happy to join. I hope when people are listening to this that the Golden Knights are up 3-2 in their series, but uh, who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm not insanely confident, just like I'm not confident anymore in our home state <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers. Man, have they really come down to earth since we last talked.
2: Yes, they certainly have, but the good news is... They've currently got a series with the Kansas City Royals, and I mean, let's call it what it is. The two central divisions have been by far the weakest in all of baseball, because and you've got that AL East that's just a complete bear. In the NL West, I do think that things are starting to pick up with the LA Dodgers. The Arizona Diamondbacks have been more respectable, but I take a look at the NL Central. The Pirates, I mean, you talk about the Brewers regressing... They have fallen completely back to earth going into Friday, three runs or fewer, nine straight games. And it just feels like for the central, it's going to be a lot of mediocrity moving forward, really from all five of these teams. And, it comes down to which team is least mediocre.
3: Right, it it kind of feels like everybody has that fatal flaw. Like, I don't know how you feel, Greg, on the Cardinals, but as much as I keep wanting to make that case for, you know, a 2022 Philadelphia Phillies, right, or Braves teams of years past who have made deep runs, I just can't get there because of the pitching, and it has nothing to do with the Wilson Contreras Move out of the catcher position to then the outfield and out of DH. The pitchers have just been downright bad, and I don't see like a clear, obvious sign ahead of them. Now, granted, they're fortunate they're in a really uh, in, in a weak division, but it doesn't seem like an easy fix for me. And yet, I go down the list, and it just seems like every team has that fatal flaw, right? Like, you can't trust the Cubs' bullpen whatsoever. Their number's among the worst in baseball. Pittsburgh just doesn't have the depth, and it's why they had a, you know, they were tied with the Reds for the lowest win total. So we started to see that regression happen, too. I mean, as soon as Pittsburgh started to face at least quality lineups on the other side, their pitching has just been hammered. So I'm left sitting there thinking, you know, as much as it's going to be tempting for people to, to still look at that, a good plus money shot with the Cardinals I'm just sitting back I mean honestly I don't I don't see a really good angle there you know if anything with the Cardinals I imagine like the hitting is going to be more consistent when they get Tyler O'Neill back off il and and back into a more consistent role i really like him I was high on them going into the season, so it's more just a team. I'm going to look to attack on in specific ways, look to attack on overs, aid respective pitchers, but that's really about it. And I, you know, I think that's okay right now. Honestly, I, that doesn't always have to be a futures play you look to. Some of these divisions, like you said, Greg, it is really hard to fall in love with the team and, and find a lot of value right now.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And what do you need to see for the St. Louis Cardinals for you to become a believer? As you're to be on the podcast, we do have Ben Wilson because I take a look at this Cardinal team and. I think the offense is going to be fine. I think that they're going to yeah. be able to pick it up. They've had a little bit of a difficulty hitting on the road this far, entering into the series against Boston, averaging about 3.7 or so runs per game, which that's going to be going upward against this Boston Red Sox team. But I just take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals bunch, and it just feels like it all comes back to starting pitching. Like on Saturday, for instance, I can't back Steven Matz at a right-round an even money price because he stinks.
3: No way. Right. And look, for me to believe, uh, I, I'm going to need to see more in the fastball velocity from Jack Flaherty. I thought it was pretty ridiculous that he just completely dismissed all the reporters' questions toward the, the big dip is just, well, you guys never pitched in the major league, so you guys don't know what you're talking about. I mean, if you have a guy who throws his whole career in the mid to upper 90s and all of a sudden is barely touching 92, and it's something that we can track now, and that's barely ever happened in his career, that's concerning. And there's been the regression that was predicted by a lot of people for miles Michaelis hasn't been nearly the same effective pitcher he is. And so when you're relying on, you know, Adam Wainwright to keep taking the ball every fifth day and, a guy who's well over 40. It, it's just hard for me to really believe in that going forward. I need to see one of those pieces start to show some sort of signs of life and consistency. And, you know, GM Jamal Zalak, I mean, if you go back, he admitted in spring training that not signing a pitcher in the offseason could prove to be a big flaw for that team. I just wonder how aggressive they'll be now. I know we're, you know, we're ways till the deadline, but I think teams like St. Louis have to start thinking about it, especially in a division that's very winnable.
2: No doubt about it. At the NL Central, we are seeing a bunch of teams have their flaws. I mean, right now, the Cincinnati Reds are picking up a little bit of steam as well. So I know it's been very random to take a look at all those teams out there. And in terms of well, the rest of baseball, because most of the rest of baseball isn't quite as mediocre who have been a few teams in recent weeks that have really been catching your attention? Because I figured that this team was going to be able to find it once again, but I take a look at the Dodgers, and it feels mm-hmm. like just the Dodgers of the past, and they go into this series with the San Diego Padres in good form, and I don't think that they're going to be backing off the gas anytime soon.
3: I'm sure as you are, if the Brewers taking on the Dodgers this week, I mean, the form that Clayton Kershaw is in, who knows how he looks at the end of September, but as long as he is looking healthy and has the life on his pitches that he does getting a lot of soft contact. I mean, there's there's no reason to believe with the pitching wall, the depth is not nearly what it has been for the Dodgers, and that's why their win total you know, has been severely lowered coming into this year. I mean, the pieces they have toward the back end of their pen, while they're not household names, they're certainly growing into them. You know, they felt like they give you that air of consistency and, and the confidence that you want to to back them. So I almost wonder if it's just one of those perception things with the Dodgers. Because when you actually look at the numbers, they are really good. Yeah, they're in a division that has been kind of interesting with the, with the Padres struggling out of the gates diamondbacks have been that pesky team so far and you're you're basically getting nothing right now out of the rockies and you know to an extent the giants even though they've had a bit of a bounce back but i think just because the dodgers aren't the 110 win behemoth we've seen in the past under dave roberts i don't think you can just dismiss them i mean the numbers still point to a really rock solid team and, and that can represent some value you know some of the markets dodgers are always a really public team so depending on the book you might not find that but I do think we're kind of discounting the Dodgers just because there's that old general narrative out there like, oh, they're taking a huge step back just because they don't have the loaded roster they have in years past. Still not a bad roster. And like you say, with so much mediocrity, it's not a bad place to be if you're them right now.
2: No doubt about it. As shown me on the podcast, we do have Ben Wilson. He does amazing work over here at VEASAN. And, I mean, the biggest story right now in baseball, in my opinion, just continues to be what we're seeing on the Tampa Bay Rays as – Looks like they're going to go down to the Yankees on Friday, but by and large, I take a look at this Rays team, and they have been the most incredible story in baseball, and I think that it always leads into the age-old question with baseball. We know that the Tampa Bay Rays are not going to continue on this trajectory and win like 120-plus games or anything like that, so how do you gauge a team like the Rays moving forward that they've been so hot to begin the season, but you know at some point, there is going to be a little bit of a cooler. And perhaps that comes right now.
3: Yeah, and a lot of the clutch numbers for them and and, batting average on balls in play definitely seem outlier-ish. So far, as much as I've been a fan of everything that organization has done from Kevin Cash as a manager and how they've constructed their pitching, but it does feel like, especially the hitting, and we've started to see that a little bit this week, where I don't think you're going to see the, the clutch hitting continue at such a ridiculous over 300 rate in a lot of these different situations. It kind of varies based on the split you can look up. But the Rays definitely are out are out hitting their weight. You know, Pitching-wise, I'm not so concerned. I think it's more a team you're going to be – in a position to be betting more unders with them going forward. But Fairbanks injury, I'm kinda waiting to see how that all works out for a bullpen that you know until now has done a brilliant job of just using different guys in different roles. But you know, Fairbanks is a guy they really count on, as much as they don't try to rely on one guy more than anybody else. So wanna see how quickly he gets back into the fold and it sounds like not too serious of an injury. Should be making some rehab appearances here soon, but that's the big thing I'm more focusing on with the Rays. Because you're totally right, Greg. The hitting is going to regress. You can't keep putting in big runs whenever there's somebody on the pond. It seems like they're doing that every time up, (laughs) just anecdotally. So definitely something to keep in in mind and keep track of there. But there are ways you can bet that. Like I said, I'll I'll be looking at some of the unders depending on the pitching matchups they get.
2: And then just taking a look at what we've all got for Saturday, is there maybe a game or a series that is standing out to you that either you're going to be looking to bet on Saturday or perhaps it's not going to be a bet, but it's just rather a game that you want to see, you want to take it in, and you just want to gauge that team a little bit more moving forward.
3: Yeah, I'm still trying to gauge Seattle, and I'll admit I faded them. Here on Friday night, I had a strikeout prop for Matthew Boyd, and that was my worst bet of the season (laughs) by a wide margin. That did not go well, because look, Seattle's been terrible against lefties. They're a bottom five offense across the board, and I have really severe concerns about a team like that with the expectations we've all uh, put on the Mariners, where you're basically playing 500 baseball, you can't hit lefties, and that's even accounting for the severe pitchers' park that they play in uh, in the Pacific Northwest at T-Mobile. So usually when I'm looking for teams that I want to support and back who get off to slow starts who I like in general you know I want to see teams that struggle with runners in scoring position or have high you know low batting average on balls and play things that'll naturally come back up but I'm not seeing a lot of that right now out of Seattle and it was more the case Friday was just Matthew Boyd came to the park with nothing but I still want to watch that team Detroit's been you know plucky they they have a very underrated starting rotation just in general I felt like for the Tigers also playing 500 ball so that's not one I'm gonna bet Saturday but I just want to see how that plays out and see if Seattle can look a little bit more consistent at the plate.
2: With the Detroit Tigers, I've been impressed by their pitching, just all about whether or not the hitting could get online, they can find a little bit more power. That would be big for them. And we always find our power in great guests like you, Ben. You do an incredible job here at the network. I know that you do a lot with regards to our live betting. You do tons of play-by-play. You're a busy man. You, get, you do a great job of balancing it all. So let the good people at home so it's all on tap for you. and all people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
3: I'm at Ben underscore Wilson underscore one. got a busy spring broadcast schedule. So I always appreciate, though, taking the time and uh, talking some ball with you, Greg.
2: Absolutely. And Ben does a terrific job here at the network taking a look at so many things. And every single time he joins this podcast, lends your minutes insights much like today. So big thanks to Ben Wilson of VSIM for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the v Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all.
0: NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft.
4: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
2: Remember back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Ben Wilson aboard. He does amazing work here at v Always doing an amazing job during the weekends taking a look at our live betting coverage. On top of that, I know that he's done a little bit of work over with the Lombardi line. Obviously, he does an amazing job with regards to all of his play-by-play work as well, whether that be football, basketball, baseball, You go down the list. He's a man of very many talents, and every single time he joins this podcast always gives us great insights and great information like he did today. So big thanks to Ben for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis and every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all.
0: If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
2: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed. At unit underscore eighty one, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any the interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So, without further ado, let's dive in on this first game. Nine fifty one, nine fifty two on the bidding board. This is Miami Marlins playing host the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. Bill Belichick and they're on to Nicoladolo getting the start for them. Meanwhile, one Sandy Alcantara is on the bump for Miami. Miami's anywhere between a minus 158 to a minus 165 favorite. And between plus 140 and plus 154, your number on the red. 7 is the total. The over and the under. Anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. Did set my total as 7.3. Both of these pitchers have had success in the past, but both have been a little bit shaky. So can't go under on a 7 in this spot. I think we've gone down a little bit too low as Alcantara. 453 ERA this year. Nick Lodolo, 629. I fully believe both of these guys are better than The just raw numbers indicate, but both have been off to a little bit of shaky starts. Now, for Sandy Alcantara, I think that there was something wrong with them. They skipped his start, and ever since then, he's looked a little bit better, giving up two or three runs in each out of his last three starts. And in his last start, he had eight scoreless settings, and then they kept him out there for the ninth inning. That's the lone reason why he gave up two runs. Strikeout numbers are up, but his walks numbers are up a little bit this year as well. More around two and a half walks. For nine innings after last year, that was more like two. That has been a little bit of an issue for him. And for Nick Lodolo, he's worked on the walks quite a bit, actually. He's given up only about two and a half walks, for nine innings, he's just been getting it hard, giving up 10 home runs in 34 and a third innings. I think that pitching here in Miami is actually going to be very beneficial for him because he plays in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in Cincinnati. has given up eight home runs in 22 and a third innings thus far this season. Meanwhile, in his two road starts, he's given up three runs over the course of 12 innings. He has given up two home runs, but still, swing and miss stuff. It has been there for Nick Lodolo. He's been able to give you well over 11 punch-outs per nine innings. Both of these offenses, though, have been absolutely deplorable. For the Reds, they're a bottom-five team in terms of runs per game on the road. For Miami, they're dead last in the National League just in terms of runs per game, and both of these teams really don't have a lot of power bats. For the Miami Marlins, it's all about Ores he has been able to give the team a as far as the season 9 home runs, and if you look at just his barrel rate, you take a look at the exit velocity, he's ripping the cover off the ball, but hasn't really resulted in a lot of on-base percentage. Jazz Chislam, they've got him hitting leadoff as he, Peyton Butterick, Gene Segura, Jacob Stallings, Joey Wendell, Avisio Garcia, when he's been out there, all these guys hitting at 225 or lower have hurt this team. You've got a few guys like Yuli Gurriel, Brian De La Cruz hitting right around 255, but the team takes a bit of a dip because Garrett Cooper is hurt once again. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. And it's Miami Marlins bullpen that just hasn't been able to get the job done this year. With JT Chargois being out of the fold, it does put them in a little bit of a sticky spot as entering into the weekend, they're ranking right around 22nd, 23rd in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA entered into yesterday. With a 449. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Reds, this has been a top 10 bullpen thus far this season. Even with Fernando Cruz on the fold, you've been able to get good innings out of Alexis Diaz, a sub 250 ERA each out of the last two seasons. Lucas Sims has been solved for this bullpen. Alex Young is able to give you about a 3-3 ERA, along with Ian Gabo posting up about a two-fifty. So these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job, and then for the Reds, not a lot of power on this team. Spencer Sear right now leading the team in home runs with five, as both of these teams towards the bottom of the National League in terms of home runs. Plenty of guys are able to get on base, as Spencer Sear, Jake Fraley, Tyler Stevenson, Nick Senzel, they're only between about a two-forty-five to a 260 Henry Ramos has been able to move the line a little bit as well Jonathan India right around 390 on base and both of these teams are missing a pair of guys in Asu Sanchez along with TJ Friedel who are able to get on base That's a little bit of an issue, but I do think that we've went a little bit too far here with the 7 total. Just because, even though neither of these teams have a lot of power, it is a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Both of these starters have been on a little bit of bad form, so I'm willing to set my total at 7.3. Looking at the over with the Marlins, set them at a minus 162 on the money line. If you're looking at that run line, you're finding it at a plus 125. I would rather lay a little bit of a chalky number just because I don't have faith in the Miami Marlins pulling out a game that I still think is going to be rather low scoring by multiple runs. So looking at more of a minus 160 or so money line with the Miami Marlins to go along with this total under. 953-954 on the betting board. The New York Metropolitans hit the road to face off against the Washington Nationals as Trevor Williams goes for the Nats and Joey Lucchese is on the bump. For the Mets, Mets are between a minus-135 to a minus-145 favorite. Between plus-120 and plus-130 is your number on Washington. Nine is the total. Over is minus-115. The under, that is minus-105. And when it comes to this total, I did set mine at an 8.8. Looking at the under, Washington Nationals currently dead last in the National League in terms of home runs. And the Mets are currently a bottom-10 team in terms of batting average. The uh, infield singles and what have you that they were getting last season... They just have not been there this year, and for the New York Mets, you haven't been able to have a couple guys towards the top of the fold do an okay job of being able to get on base. Brandon Nimmo sitting above a three hundred. You've still got thirteen home runs out of Pete Alonso entering into yesterday, which leads the league as an imp for the world's greatest average, but still about a three thirty on base. And you've got the Mets still doing a good job of being able to draw walks. So even though the average hasn't been there, the on base it has been relatively okay, but. You just expect more out of guys like Starley Marte, Francisco Lindor, Tommy Pham, Eduardo Escobar. All these guys entered into yesterday, hitting a 225 or lower. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, to their credit, They've actually ranked number one in the big leagues in terms of fewest strikeouts. hasn't really resulted in too many runs because Jameer Candelaria Lane Thomas are right now leading the team in home runs with four, so that has been deplorable, though. You've been able to get guys on base as Elie Armo Vargas whenever he's been out there, Joey Manessis, Lane Thomas. You're able to go down the list of guys that have all been able to hit at least a 280 for this bunch. Dominic Smith has been relatively sought with that regard as well. You do have a few guys that need to pick it up a little bit like Alex Call and company, but by and large, not bad there. But. Watch the Nationals start out the year with a relatively okay bullpen. They are now down to being in regards to bullpen area right around 18th as Kyle Woods Jr., Hunter Harvey, pair of guys with a sub-three bullpen area, but Rasmo Ramirez has not been great. A lot to Andres Machado, Mason Thompson, has had a little bit of a rough run of things. And for the New York Mets, they're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen era as well with a 3.88. as been able to get really good innings out of David Robertson. He's been able to do a quality job and then you've got a few other guys that have come in, done their part like Adam Adovino, Drew Smith, but when you get into the Jeff Brighams and Tommy Hunters of the world, that's when he comes a little bit of roll of the dice and Joey Lucchese has been up and down as a starter thus far. He's made four starts. He's given up three runs or fewer in three of them, but he's given up at least three runs in three of them as well. So, he'll take a glass half full or a glass half empty approach. 17 punch outs in 20 in a third inning, seven walks, four home runs allowed. So, I mean, he's been meh. Not horrible, not terrific. Meanwhile, for Trevor Williams, 425 ERA. He hasn't been too bad. He hasn't been too great either. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and get a bunch of strikeouts. We about 7 punch outs per 9 innings, giving up 6 home runs in 36 innings. Not going to give out a lot of walks, but what I think really plays to its detriment is that he was on the New York Mets last season. They know exactly what he's going to throw. I do think that that's a big edge for the New York Mets in this spot, coupled with having a little bit of a better bullpen. I did set the Mets as a result at a minus 145, seeing a minus 135, minus 138. Willing to lay that number with the Mets. Seeing that run line at a plus 115, I just need much more value than that to be able to dive in. So looking at the money line of the Mets, semi total. At an 8.8. So also looking at the total under 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The San Diego Padres at third face off against the LA Dodgers. Ulio Arias goes for the Dodgers. Joe Musgrove is on the bump for the Padres. Enough is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. For the Dodgers, they're between minus 142 to minus 150 favorites between plus 125 and plus 135. The number on the Padres, and I set the Dodgers at a minus 158. I'm going to be willing to back them in this ordeal. Now, the only question is money line or run line. Find that run line of the Dodgers at a plus plus one thirty. The way that the Dodgers just always win by multiple runs, I am going to be willing to pack them on the run line. The Dodgers... Been one of the best run line teams in all of baseball the last few seasons, and I do think that that is going to be continuing. Now, the one trepidation that you've got with Luis he's actually been better on the road than he has been at home in recent years. That has not been the case this season. This season, Buck eighty-two home ERA, six ten road ERA. But last two seasons, he had an ERA that was about a half a point better when he was on the road rather than when he was at home because he does give up a little bit of the deep ball at home. Thus far as this season, just three home runs given up in twenty-four and two-thirds innings, and the command has been on point. But between all of his starts, about 1.8 walks per 9 innings. Strikeouts per 9 rate That's hovering right in the neighborhood about 9.6. Going up against Joe Musgrove, who I think that it's very fair to throw out that start that he had in Mexico City. You throw that out, and he's given up four runs, three of which were earned in 10 innings, and it's two starts outside of that thus far this season with three walks, five punch outs in 10 innings. His comeback from the injured list, swinging himself has not quite been there, but the command has still been relatively solid. Now, he is backed up by a bullpen that has not been too terrific, but let's call it what it is. Both of these bullpens, they have been having their warts. The San Diego Padres entering in this series, 18th in the league in terms of bullpen. Era. The only Dodgers 23rd in the Dodgers. Had the best bullpen in the big leagues last season, but they now employ Wander. I swear this guy sucks because Alex Vessi is currently on the under list. Caleb Ferguson has been out, but like what I've seen out of Victor Gonzalez, Bruce roll and they no longer employ Craig Kimbrell. That's always a win. Meanwhile, for the San Diego Padres, Luis Garcia is posted up north of a 5 ERA. Seems to be finding it a little bit more, and Tom Cosgrove has been very good. For this bullpen as well, we all know what to expect out of Josh Hader, but more of the long guys have been a bit overruled the dice. but for the Padres, in games not played in Mexico City, bottom five of the big leagues in terms of both batting average and runs per game, you do though have Juan Soto starting to pick it up as he, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, underrated yesterday hitting between about a two fifty to a two sixty-six with Soto, north of a .400 on Macy, still doing a good job of being able to draw his walks, but the bottom of the fold has not been kind to the team. Austin Nola, Brett Sullivan at the catcher's spot. Awesome Kim, Trent Grisham. These guys all inning below 225. is killing them, and the Dodgers, they really don't have them for much average. They're actually a bottom-8 team in terms of batting average, but they do a good job of be able to draw walks as they've overcome the fact that Chris Taylor, Miguel Rojas, Trace Thompson, Max Muncy, guys like this, are in below 225, but Muncy, 12 home runs, does a good job being able to draw his blocks. Will Smith has been terrific in terms of both power and being able to move the line. They're getting back J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, a little bit of a slow start to the season. You know that he's going to be able to pick it up as well. I do think that Julio Urias is going to be able to deliver a little bit of a better start. And I do think that Joe Musgrove is going to round into a little bit more form as well, and for the Padres, they just haven't been able to find their offense yet. I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to win this game by multiple runs. I'm willing to take that plus money price on the run line, laying a run and half. And when it comes to total, sum, might tell it at eight point two. So looking we'll under to go along with that Dodgers run line, nine fifty seven, nine fifty eight on the banking board. Of the San Francisco Giants at the road face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Allen goes. For the Diamondbacks and Anthony D. Sclafani is on the bum for San Francisco. Total on this game is 8. The overs 115. The under is minus 105 with the Snakes between minus 150 and minus 165 is your price. Between plus 130 and plus 140, your number on the San Francisco Giants. And I set the Diamondbacks at a minus 188. If you're looking at the run line, you're getting it at a plus 115. I was willing to take anything above a plus 105. So I'm actually going to be taking a look at a run line because the Giants bullpen just sucks. They are dead last in the National League in terms of ERA really outside of Camellia to fall, and to a little bit of a lesser extent, Tyler Rogers. His brother Taylor has been terrible, but Tyler Rogers has been relatively solid side of those two guys. It has been horrible. Now, for the San Francisco Giants, they are doing an absolutely incredible job of hitting home runs on the road. They haven't been able to get as many at home, and the reason why is because Oracle Park is a very difficult ballpark to be able to hit home runs in, but going into yesterday, 34 home runs in 17 games on the road thus far. The season that leads the National League in terms of home runs per Game and I mean, on the road, you've got Therio Estrada and JD Davis combined for seven home runs and hitting about a 350 as a collective. Pretty big drop off from there. As I say, you really don't have anyone else that has seen meaningful at bats hitting above a 250, but I mean, when you've got that sort of production, you know what, you do like to see that. And then if you're taking a look overall, you have had. Quite a few guys like David Vr, Michael Comforto have a little bit of a tough time being able to get on base in general. But Mikey Stromsky has been very soft for the team. He's now dealing with a hamstring injury, so that's going to hurt them. And they have to try to get to Zach Allen, who has been nothing short of absolutely incredible. His strikeouts to walk rate in his last six starts is, I believe, 56 strikeouts to two walks. And he's given up in that time span four runs. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing what this guy is doing right now. He has just been setting him up and knocking him down. Meanwhile, for Anthony Di he's having himself a nice year as well. 280 ERA. He had a little bit of a shaky start against the Washington Nationals. But by and large, when this guy's at the road, he has been able to shove. He has made three road starts giving up three runs, two of which are earned in 20 and two-thirds innings, allowing just one home run on the road overall. Home and road splits, four home runs, given up in 45 innings. He's given up just four walks in those 45 innings, so the command has been their strikeout numbers. Not so great. Only about six and a half punch outs per nine innings. And I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job. Where I think they just go wrong is with this bullpen because they're facing off against an Arizona Diamondbacks team that ranks in the top three in the big leagues in terms of batting average. And their batting average at home north of a 285 is collective and they've gotten a lot recently out of Christian Walker. Take a look at the last 15 days for him entering into yesterday. And he got 360 with six home runs. Just been absolutely tremendous now for the Diamondbacks. They do rank in the bottom seven in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis when they are at home, but you got so many guys that are able to get on base like Lourdes Goriel, Gabriel Moreno, Corbin Carroll, only between about a 290 to a 305, and then you've got Geraldo Perdomo hitting about a 360 at Lausanne Rivera. Yeah, I expect a little bit of regression there, but these guys have been able to do their part. And I do think that for Zach Allen, he's going to be able to get quite a bit of run support. Though I do think Anthony Di Scalfani is going to be able to shove a really nice chart as well. I did set my total at a 7.2, so getting an 8. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but for the Diamondbacks, I do like them to be able to shut down the Giants. I think that they're not going to be able to generate their normal power against Zach Allen like the Diamondbacks on the run line lane, run and a half. And I'm going to be taking a look at the under, 959, 960 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies playing host to the Philadelphia Phillies Arrange Suarez is going for the Phillies, and Ryan Feltner is on the bump for Colorado. Total on this game, and between 11.5 and 12. On the half, over and under are both the minus 110. On the 12, under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. Between minus 155 and seeing a minus 160 out there for the Philadelphia Phillies, between plus 135 and plus 145 is your number on Colorado. I'm willing to take anything of a plus 148 or greater with Colorado if you're looking at the run line of the Philadelphia Phillies. Currently, you're finding that at even money. I do think that when it's all said and done, we are going to be able to find closer to a plus 150 on this game. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of takers on Ryan Feltner, and There's probably going to be quite a bit of hype around Ranger Suarez making his first start of the season. And for Ranger Suarez... He didn't really give up a lot of runs when he was making his minor league rehab appearances. Just a case where I've got to be questioning the stuff itself because it seemed like his velocity is not quite where it was back when he was at the big league level last season. As he made three minor league rehab appearances, he really had really solid command. He went nine total innings across those three appearances. He did only give up two walks, but he... He also only got five strikeouts as well. When you're at the minor league level, you should be getting a little bit more than that. I do recognize the Rangers-Forez is a little bit more of a of contact guy, but that's exactly why I couldn't set him as a bigger favorite in this spot. It is because he's now pitching in Coors Field where the ball is just flying out left and right, and you have to go up against a Colorado Rockies team that they've always got those demonstrative home and road splits. A lot of that is because of the environment itself, but the Rockies entering, into yesterday, hitting at 291 as a collective on the road, hitting a sub-225, and for the Rockies, they entered into yesterday, hitting just 15 home runs in their first 16 home games of the season. I do think that that's going to be going northward. C.J. Crone last season, out of his 29 home runs, 22 of them did come at home Chris Bryant being healthy is big, Ryan McMahon is starting to pick it up a little bit, Elias Diaz is sitting at 333, so a lot to like here, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, that has been a case where they've been able to get on base, they just haven't been able to get a lot of power, and I do think that Bryce Harper returning to form, that is is going to be big for this bunch, as Harper, just one home run this far this season, but that was in a small sample size of seven games, really outside of Kyle Schwarber, nobody's been able to give you north of five home runs entering the yesterday, and Schwarber is really the one guy that's not hitting for average, Right now on the team is Nick Cassianos, Brandon Marsh, Bryce Harper all inning above a 300 going into yesterday. And then the likes of Bryson Stott, JT Riemuto, Alec Bohm all at least a 270. The plate discipline hasn't necessarily been the world's greatest for this team. They don't necessarily have the world's greatest on in comparison to their batting average. But bigger than that for the Philadelphia Phillies as well. They're currently without Jose Alvarado in the bullpen. And Alvarado has been one of the best closers in the big leagues for a Phillies bullpen that has been absolutely terrible. As far as the season, entered into yesterday 25th in the league terms of Bullpenny Ray and Drew Vasquez be able to supply a sub-250 ERA, but they employ Craig Kimbrel, and that's just never a good thing. Connor Brogdon, Andrew Bellotti, these guys are a little bit of a roll of the dice. Brogdon has been solid this year. Bellotti, north of a 6 ERA, so you've got your issues there. And for the Colorado Rockies, I understand that 19th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA for most teams is not great, but considering half their games are being played in Coors Field, this is actually not too bad for them, as Brent Suter has been amazing. He, Daniel Bard, Justin Lawrence, they're all supplying a sub-2 ERA Nick Mears has been okay for the scene. They bring in Brad Hand, so I mean, the bullpen for the Rockies has not been bad, and Ryan Feltner has actually been giving some relatively solid starts. For Ryan Feltner, he has given up a combined six runs over the course of his last four starts. Now, only one of those starts came at home, and he is coming off of giving up six walks and four runs and three in the third innings against the New York Mets, but the team is 4-0 in its last four starts. So, if we are able to get closer to a plus 150 in this spot on the Rockies, which I do think that when it's all said and done, we should be able to get to. My play is going to be on the Colorado Rockies in this spot in. I did something tall at 12.3. Rangers-Forez being a little bit more of a pitch-to-contact guy, I think hurts. I think that we are going to see some regression with Ryan Feldner as well. So, looking at anything north of a plus 148 with the Rockies and the total over 961-962 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays sit through it face-off against the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez goes for the Yankees Shane McLannan is on the bump for the Rays, and the Rays between a minus 125 to a minus 130 favor between plus 110 and plus 118, your number on the Yanks. Your total on this game is 8, unders between minus 115 to a minus 120, overs between even at minus 105, so I tell it's 7.3, going to be taking a look at the under. I do think that we're going to see some regression with the Tampa Bay Rays lineup up there right now on pace to well over 300 home runs this season, and I mean, this is a bunch that they were 25th in the league in terms of total home runs last season. And I mean, they are able to crank out home runs now against Garrett Cole. All of a sudden, it's been absolutely amazing what we've seen as Wander Franco, Yandy Diaz, Randy Arosa, Reyna. All three of these guys at the top of the lineup are hitting above a threader. And I mean, all three of these guys have been able to supply the boom as Franco has been able to give you seven home runs. The other two in Diaz and a Rosarena between 9 and 10 apiece. Really everyone except for Brandon Lau among the top seven in the lineup yesterday hitting above a 250, and I think all but two of them are hitting above a 300. It's been absolutely insane with the Tampa Bay Rays team, and the New York Yankees, well, they have not been supplying the boom on offense, but they've been really good in terms of their pitching. Now, they get Aaron Judge full. that is going to be very meaningful for them. Anthony Rizzo, he's been incredible. He's sitting right around 300, nearly a 400 on base, seven home runs from him. Harrison Bader, he's able to move the line, he's providing a little bit of power, but when you got the likes of Jose Trevino, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Peraza, I Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Anthony Volpe, the much-maligned Aaron X, all hitting below a 2.15 for this Yankees team. That really is an albatross, but for the New York Yankees, the bullpen has been nothing short of tremendous. As we know, the Tampa Bay Rays, they do a nice job of piecemealing things together, but going into the game yesterday, these two teams were number three and number four respectively in terms of bullpen ERA with the Tampa Bay Rays. You've got so many guys like Ryan Thompson, Jalen Beeks, Jason Adam—they're all able to give you multiple innings and a sub-three ERA. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, it's really been guys not named Clay Holmes who have been able to do a solid job in this bullpen. As Wandy Peralta, Ron Medinacchio, Ian Hamilton, Michael King, these are all guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. Jimmy Cordero's been halfway decent as well, so I do think that you're going to get a nice pitcher as well, Shane McClannan. And don't forget, Shane McClannan started the all-star game for the American League last season. He's actually got a career ERA that's about 0.25 points lower on the road rather than at home. 7-0 record and 8 starts, providing... A buck 76 ERA, his strikeouts per nine rate is right around 11. He's given up four home runs in 46 innings. One caution that you do have with him, right around four walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Nasty Nestor, he's been giving up a little bit more heart contact this year. Six home runs in 38 innings, but walks per nine rate right around two and a half. He's getting nine punch outs per nine innings. Hasn't been in the world's greatest form, giving up three plus runs in three out of his last four starts. But he's always pitched much better in Yankee Stadium rather than on the road, as a matter of fact. Going back to the beginning part of last season is ERA at home is nearly about 1.4 points lower at home rather than on the road. So this semi my total is us, 7.3. I'm looking at the under in this spot, but I really like the way that Shane McClanahan is rolling. Set him at a minus 124. This opened up at a minus 120. Right now I'm seeing right around a minus 125. And if you are taking a look at the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays, you're finding it right around about a plus 130 to a plus 135. At current numbers, I'd be in a little bit more wait and see mode trying to see if this gets down. Just below a minus 125, and if you get north of a plus 125, take for me on the Yankees. But I mean, my play is just pretty much on that opener minus 120 on the Tampa Bay Rays, and here at an eight, looking at the under 963, 964 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers play host the Seattle Mariners. Bryce Miller goes for the Mariners, and Alex Fajedo is on the bump. For the Tigers, the Tigers are between plus one fifty and plus one fifty five underdogs. And we're between minus one sixty three and minus one seventy-five. Your number on Seattle eight and a half to nine is the total on the eight and a half overs between minus one ten to a minus one twenty, under is between even and minus one ten. On the nine, under is minus one twenty and the over is even. So I it at eight point three. Gonna be taking a look at the under for the Detroit Tigers and the Seattle Mariners. Both of these teams have had a miserable time being able to move the line for both of these teams there. Towards the bottom of the big leagues in terms of batting average The Tigers and at two thirty three as a collective going into yesterday. Seattle hitting at 223. And for the Detroit Tigers, just not a lot of power in general for this team. They are once again finding themselves in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of home runs, with nobody entering into yesterday with north of four home runs. As you've had Nick Mayton, Gary Carpenter, along with Jason Rogers, all be able to supply four home runs this far this season. All three guys hitting below at two twenty as well. So that has not been too terrific now. They have been able to unearth a little bit more with Javi Bias, Akeel Badu, and Riley Green, all in between about a two fifty to two sixty-five Eric cost. In limited at-bats, along with Andy Ibanez, both of these guys have actually been able to do a rock-solid job of being a reach base. But for the Detroit Tigers, they've really been feasting upon some of the dregs of pitching in the big leagues. And then when they go up against actual pitchers, it's not so terrific. And for the Detroit Tigers, they're dealing with a situation where they had to really dive into their bullpen yesterday. They got four outs out of Matthew Boyd, and because Matthew Boyd sucks, he got docked out of the game, and this is not the same bullpen that it was last season because for the Detroit Tigers last year, you had the likes of Michael Fulmer, Andrew Chafin, Gregory Soto. Now you're down to guys like Alex Lang, Jason Foley. You have both been very good. They're both supplying a sub-250 ERA, but that is hurting the team a little bit. Fortunately, Mason Englert was able to fill Quite a few innings for them, but for the Seattle Mariners, I also think that they are not sustainable with having the number one bullpen ERA entering into yesterday in the big leagues. He so really had to mix a match with his bullpen as Ben Murphy, Andres Munoz are both currently on the injured list and Matt Brash has not necessarily been too great. As a matter of fact, he's been one of the real weak links in the bullpen. It's been Taylor Saucedo. Justin Topa, Trevor Gott, all providing a sub-2 ERA. Paul Seewald was solid last year. He's been solid once again this season, but I don't think that this is necessarily sustainable. And then for Bryce Miller first few starts of his big league career have went very well. He's given up one run over the course of 12 innings. One of those starts came against the Oakland A's so there's that aspect of things. I think that he's going to be an incredible pitcher. 15 punch outs in his first 12 innings at the big league level. I think that he's going to have things rocking and rolling, and I think that this is too high of a total. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but for our good friend Alex Fajardo, I do think that there's a little bit of an upside with him. He got plenty of starts last season at the big league level, and I'm not going to sit here and say that he was Amazing, 553 ERA. His walks per nine rate last season was north of four, so he certainly does have his issues there. But with Alex Fajardo, I like the way that he was just pitching a little bit more in general in that first start that he was able to get in this season as he went four and two-thirds innings. He gave up three runs, two of which were earned against the St. Louis Cardinals and legitimately just was not helped out at all by the guys behind him in the field or else it would have been a little bit more of a better showing and then the bullpen completely gas-canned it from there but at the minor league level, he was getting right around nine and a half punch outs at two walks per nine and he was really able to hone in with that regard and going up against the Seattle Mariners lineup that just is not moving the line whatsoever I think he's going to be able to help him out quite a bit. This is a Seattle team then. Just can't find guys to be able to give them good at bats at this point. As Ty Francis now hitting about at 275, and Jared Kelnick has been incredible. Jared Kelnick, seven home runs, hitting about 295, and you do have to ask Hernandez, who's been able to give you seven home runs as well. but... With Hernandez, A.J. Pollock, Colton Wong, Julio Rodriguez, who I'm fully thinking is injured at this point. All these guys hitting a 220 or lower. That's been an issue. Cal Raleigh has not been able to move the line as well, and it's not providing the power numbers that you're accustomed to from a season ago. I do think that there's going to be a bit of regression with Miller along with this bullpen. I do think that Alex Fajardo is going to be able to find it against a light-hitting Mariners team. So this is a total I did set at an 8.3. I'm going to be looking at the under in this spot. And with the Detroit Tigers, despite their bullpen use yesterday, I was willing to take a plus 147 or greater with them. So seeing plus 150 or higher, taking a look at the Tigers, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. 965, 966 on the betting board. It is the Walker Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the Oakland A's. JP Sears goes for the A's, and you've got 55 shades of John Gray on the bump for Texas. The Rangers are between a minus 150 to a minus 165 favorite. Plus 140 is your number on Oakland eight and a half as the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Did somebody total at an 8.2? Going to be looking at the under. I do recognize that this is a day game out in Oakland, but I think that John Gray was finally able to find something in his last start against the Seattle Mariners. Looked very rock solid there prior to that. He was only getting right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings after he was closer to 10 to begin the season. Now for John Gray, he's given up 7 home runs and 37 and in two-thirds innings as far this season, but despite the fact that Oakland plays a little bit more hitter-friendly during the daytime rather than the nighttime. I do think that he's going to be able to hold the ball in the yard against an Oakland A's team that, while they just stink at hitting at home for one and for two, it is still a rather difficult ballpark to be able to go out in first 19 games of the season at home for the Oakland A's, just 14 home runs for them at home now. Brent Rooker has been incredible, entering into yesterday, hitting a 315, supplying 10 home runs. But, I mean, it's an Oakland A's team that entered into yesterday, hitting a 208 as a collective at home. As Rooker is hitting a 275 at home, as Stereo Ruiz has been amazing. He's actually leading the team in stolen bases. He's leading the league in stolen bases, hitting a 290 at home. I really pass these two guys along. with Ramon Loriano hitting about a 250 at home. You really don't have anyone else that's able to move the line as these guys like Tony Kemp, Jay's Peterson, Ryan Noda. They're hitting at 2.25 or lower. And then you've got an Oakland A's team that is running out there really one of their best pitchers in J.P. Sears. Sears coming off of his last home start being very solid. Six scoreless settings against the Seattle Mariners. And the team still managed to give up seven runs because This bullpen is currently dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. They've DFA'd half of it since about 10 days ago. It's been a case where they're trying to mix and match, trying to find anything whatsoever that works, and they're not finding it right now. 6.79 bullpen ERA entering into yesterday. Just really sad, but J.P. Sears has able a pitch relatively solid in Oakland thus far this season. In his three starts at home, 16 and two-thirds innings, giving up five total runs, three home runs, his walks per nine rate, Very solid sub-two walks per nine innings. So I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job against the Texas Rangers team that is a top three lineup in terms of runs scored. You've got so many guys in the middle of this lineup, that are able to do just such a good job, I'll be able to find a way to be able to get on bases. You've got Mitch Garver, Marcus Simeon, Leody Tavares, Travis Jankowski, Jonah Heim, all giving you at least a 364 on base. Really, other than Garver, all these guys at at least a 289 as well. Ezekiel Duran, he's hitting about a 295. So these guys have been incredible. And once Corey Seager gets back in the fold, it's going to be even better. But Josh Young, Adalise Garcia pair of guys that, as a collective, are earning about at 248. They've supplied a combined 17 home runs thus far this season. Good balance overall with this lineup and for the Texas Rangers. And it's a bullpen that is relatively average. It's not great, it's not terrible. As a matter of fact, 15th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, entering into yesterday with Jonathan Hernandez, Jose Leclerc, Brock Burke, all being able to do a relatively solid job this season, all right around a 330 ERA or lower. You've been able to get some okay innings when needed as well out of Will Smith. He gets jiggy with it, about a 3-1-5 ERA, but I do think that John Gray starting to be able to find that form that he had a season ago, so I'm going to be willing to go under on the 8 so I might tell it at 8.2, and for the Rangers, I think that they just completely dominate Oakland. I think that J.P. Sears actually gives a good start, but I mean for the Oakland A's, name off a good reliever because you really can't find one. Zach Jackson might be the lone guy. 2.25 ERA thus far this season. Sam Maul over the last two seasons. He supplied a sub-4 ERA as well. But, I mean, Austin Pruitt, Spencer Penn, Shatero Fujinami, these guys just stink. So, I mean, it's a circumstance where I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I set the... Texas Rangers, about minus 212 on the money line. On the run line, you'll find them at even money. I was willing to lay up to a minus 130. So I'm looking at the Rangers on the run line, and I'm taking a look at the under. Now you have my DK Nation right-up pick, 967, 968 on the main board. The Cleveland Guardians play host to the LA Angels, as Reed Detmers goes for the Halos, and Cal Quantrill is on the bump for Cleveland. Cleveland is a minus 105 right now as they're a very slight underdog at a lot of books. You're finding the Angels in between minus 105 to minus 115. Eight and a half is the total over and under. Both at 110. And right up pick is on the Cleveland Guardians' money line. We're back at Gal Quattro once again this season. I said the Cleveland Guardians at a minus 141 on the money line. This is a case where Cal Quantrill has led the Cleveland Guardians of victory in 20 out of his last 23 regular season starts, not lighting the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination. You take a look at the advanced numbers and there is nothing particularly impressive when it comes to Cal Quantrill. As he has posted up this far this season, an ERA that is hovering right in the neighborhood about 389. 2.5 2.5 walks per 9 innings, 4.8 punch outs per 9 innings, but he's allowed just 3 runs or fewer in 5 out of his last 6 starts. He cranks out innings, he gives his team length, he just doesn't like the game on fire going up against someone in Reed Demers, who really increased his strikeout numbers from 8.5 punch outs per 9 innings last season to 11.4 strikeouts thus far this season as well, but we have seen his walks per nine rate rise up to about 3.6, his ERA is a 5.10, and he's just been a little bit all over the place for the LA Angels. I think that massive regression is going to be coming in for this bullpen as well. as They're currently sixth in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. How slash why, I have no idea, but if you take a look at their XFIP, that is 17th, which that is a big giant showing that Regression is soon to be coming for the LA Angels, and I like Matt Moore in this bullpen. He's been able to supply a sub two ERA over the last two seasons. He has been rock solid, but Andrew wants. I think he wants to just be done right now because I mean his ERA is sub one. There is no way he's going to be able to maintain that. Chase Silseth, Chris Devinsky. These are guys that are posting up right around three twenty five ERA. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that is going to be sustainable for them. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Guardians. They're once again back in the top three in terms of bullpen ERA, and this is with James Karinchek, Jack Nick Sandlin. Not being themselves, both of these guys have been supplying north of a 380 ERA, but Aniel De Los Santos, coupled with Emmanuel Classe, your main closer, Eli Morgan, Xavion Curry, Trevor Steven, they've all been able to give you a sub-three ERA now. The issue for the Cleveland Guardians, the team has been deplorable with their offense. In terms of on-base plus slugging, dead last in the big leagues, in terms of home runs, Dead last in the big leagues, Jose Ramirez, the lone guy entering into yesterday with north of three home runs, and he's been able to supply just four. And the biggest thing for this team is you had so many guys last year that were able to hit a 270 or higher. Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, able to throw in there Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon, and all these guys thus far this season, have it a 235 or lower. Stephen Kwan is able to provide a 350 on base alone. Jose Ramirez, both guys in between about a 265 to a 270, but big drop off there. I do think that they're going to be able to find it a little bit more against this LA Angels team. And for the Angels, I do think that they're going to be able to crank out a few runs against our good friend and Mr. Cal Quantrill, as you've got Mike Trout and Joey Otani, a pair of guys with eight home runs apiece, applying right around about a 360 to a 370 on base on Renfro, 10 home runs, sitting about a 255, and really the entirety of the lineup has been solved, but they're still dealing with that injury to Logan Ahapi, so the catcher spot takes a little bit of a drop off. Brandon Drury has not been able to move the line. He and Jake Lamb both sub 275 on bases. Taylor Ward saying hitting just a 235. He has been up and down, though. I like Gio Rochelle hitting about a 300 for this bunch as well, but I do think their regression is coming for the Angels and I for Cal Quantrill. He's the DJ Khaled right now of the big leagues. All he does is win. We're going to take the Mr. Khaled of the big leagues and Cal Quantrill on the money line. I felt like this should have been closer to a minus 140. So DK Nation right up pick is the Guardians on the money line. Semi-tall at an 8.4, so you're at an 8.5. Also taking a look at the under, nine sixty nine, nine seventy on the winning board. The Chicago White Sox playoffs to the Houston Astros. Brandon Bielak is going to be going for the Astros and Dylan Cease and Decease. On the bump for the White Sox, White Sox between minus one twenty to minus one thirty favorites, plus one fifteen to a plus one ten is your number on the Astros. Nine is your total. Under is minus one twenty, and the over is even. I did set my total at eight point three. Going to be taking a look at the under and for the White Sox, willing to lay up to a minus one twenty five for them. Now for the Chicago White Sox, it has been. Alexander in the no good, very bad, terrible just season in general for them, but I do think that they're going to be able to get to like a little bit more in this spot as they've got guys who are getting on base. Now, for the Chicago White Sox, even though their batting average is fine, their on base is deplorable because he just swing at everything. I have no idea why, but we've got a lot of guys hitting between about a 250 to a 265. Andrew Benatendi, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Gavin Sheets, on that fold entering into yesterday. Andrew Vaughn as well. Vaughn is one of the few guys that actually is willing to take a pitch. Now you've got Yoan Moncada back in the fold. Small sample size for far this season, but he's been able to about a 300. And then you've got Luis Robert along with Jake Berger who have been able to do a good job of going deep. Berger has been dealing with a few injuries though. And then for the Houston Astros, this lineup has not been the same without Jose Altuve, along with Michael Brantley. You've got a really bad start for Alex Bregman. He's been able to draw some walks, but hitting a 207 entering into yesterday, the catcher spot in general is just always a dead bat for the Houston Astros. And Jose Abreu, zero home runs, not getting on base at all for this team. That has been bad. We got Christian Jolks, Jake Myers, Kyle Tucker hitting between about a 250 to a 265, and with Tucker, you know that he's going to get on base. He's going to still apply a little bit of power. Would like to see a little bit more than six home runs and for Jordan Alvarez. Eight home runs this far this season. Feels like he's starting to pick it up a little bit. But name of the game for the Houston Astros has been bullpen pitching. They were number one in the big leagues last season in terms of bullpen ERA thus far this season. Entering into the uh, Friday tilt against the Chicago White Sox. Number seven, and I did expect a little bit of regression from this bullpen last year. You had guys like Seth Martinez, Ryan Stanek really pitch above their heads a he season ago, but he's still been able to get relatively solid production. I have guys like Hector Neres, Phil Maton. they're both supplying a sub-two ERA. Ryan Presley has been a little bit up and down and Rafael Moteto. He has come back to earth a little bit, but still by and large, very good bullpen in the Chicago White Sox. If it wasn't for the Oakland A's, they would have the worst bullpen ERA in the big league. Says Gregory Santos and Keenan Middleton are the only two. Guys in that bullpen, they're able to pitch at this point. I and mean, Kendall Graben is posting up now about a four or so ERA, Joe Kelly more around a 450 ERA. But, I and mean, you've got so many guys like Rinaldo Lopez, Nick Padilla, Aaron Bummer, Alex Callum, Jimmy Lambert. Good gosh almighty, it's been bad, and I mean, good gosh almighty, don't Cease has not been terrific as well. I have the thought that he is going to be able to find it a little bit more as he has given up three plus runs in each out of his last five serves. Hasn't been giving up a ton of hard contact, though. Five home runs given up in 40 in the third innings. Walks for nine rate is four and a half, a little bit higher than normal, but I mean, he's still getting swings and misses. He is still generating well over ten and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Going up against someone in Brandon like that was relatively solid at the minor league level, has given up two home runs at eight and two thirds innings thus far this season. But the walks are a little bit of an issue for him. I think that he gets knocked out a little bit early in the spot. I think that both teams in general are just struggling a little bit at the plate. I did set my total at eight point three, so getting between an eight and a half to a nine. Looking at the under end, want to lay up to a minus one twenty five with the Chicago White Sox. Nine seventy one, nine seventy two on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins playing us the Chicago Cubs. Hayden Wisniewski is going for the Cubs and Joe Ryan is on the bump for Minnesota. 7.5 is the total over and under any between minus one of five to a minus one fifteen. Between minus 160 to minus 170 is your price on Minnesota. Anywhere between plus 140 and plus 150 the price on the Chicago Cubs. And with the Cubs, I did set them at a plus 172. If you're looking at the run line of the Minnesota Twins, you are find that at a plus 125 needed at least a plus 118 to fire in here. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Minnesota Twins. And for Hayden Wozneski, you give him all the credit in the world for what he's been able to do thus far this season. I do think that we are going to be seeing some progression with him. As for Wozneski, He has been getting quite a bit of fortune on balls and play as this is not someone that's going to go out there and light up the radar gun. He has been getting just six strikeouts per nine innings. Command has been rock solid, just 2.1 walks per nine innings, but he's got a three ninety three ERA compared to a fielding independent. That's more around a four ninety four. as he's been giving up right around a home run and a half per nine innings. So I do think that there are some worry spots there with Wisniewski. He's given up approximately one run in four out of his last five starts. I also want to take a look at the competition. Those one-run starts that he's had have been against the Miami Marlins, San Diego Padres, Washington Nationals, and the Oakland A's. Meanwhile, the three spot that he gave up in less than five innings that came against the LA Dodgers. So he's been the beneficiary of pitching against some rather shaky offenses, to say the least. Meanwhile, Joe Ryan has been absolutely dealing a 2.45 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate, that is right around about 9.5. He's giving up about 0.85 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is 1.2. Yeah. <laughs> This guy has been absolutely brilliant, and he's backed up by a bullpen that, I mean, I'm not going to say it's great, but it's improving. 12th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, Ori Alcala is back in the fold after he was on the injured list. Giovanni Morin last year at a sub-3 ERA. It's been rough for him thus far this season, but I think that he's going to be able to return to form. Yohan Duran has been relatively solid and for the Chicago Cubs. ninth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, though. I mean, you haven't really been able to get a lot of the guys that you expected to close the door. Michael Fulmer, Brad Boxberger, both have north of a 4 ERA. Keegan Thompson has a long guy, has been terrific, though. Admir Elzelay has been able to give you some nice innings as well. And for the Chicago Cubs right now, they're pretty much the opposite of the Minnesota Twins. They're doing a great job of being able to move the line, but they just haven't been able to utilize that to generate a bunch of runs. For the Cubs, currently a top-five team in terms of batting average, hitting at 269 as a collective, and they've currently got all but really one of their players that have had at least 50 at-bats this season, hitting at least a 247 entering into the series. And that lone exception was Patrick Wisdom, hitting about a 237, but has been able to supply 12 home runs thus far this season, as they had the likes of Ian App, Nico Horner, Jan Gome, sitting above a 300, Dancy Swanson, Cody Bellinger. These guys have done a great job of being a reach base as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, they entered into the series dead last in the big leagues. In terms of batting average, you do need more out of these guys, as... Carlos Correa, Willie Castro, Nick Gordon, Byron Buxton, Christian Vasquez. Shall we go down the list of guys in a 220 or lower? Max Kepler may have been issues. They do get back Ori Polanco since he's returned. He's been able to hit at 275. and Joey Gallo is able to give you a little bit of power. But, I mean, we all know that Joey Gallo is not going to hit for average. Byron Buxton has been starting to hit a few more home runs. But the average it has been suffering a little bit as a result. But I do think that they are going to be able to get to Hayden Wazowski. Part of what has been hurting the Minnesota Twins as well is just playing in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. So I do feel like this all should be a little bit low, but I think we've went down a little bit too far. I do think that the Cubs still going to be a move line a little bit even against Joe Ryan. I do think that Wozneski is doing for a little bit of negative regression. semi talent at 8.2, looking at the over with the Twins. one to back them on the run line. I do think that Wozneski's regression begins here. 973-974 on the betting board. The Toronto Blue Jays playoffs to the Atlanta Braves. Jose Barrios goes for the Jays and Bryce Elders on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta. The Braves are between even money and plus one of six underdogs between minus 114 and 120 is your price on Toronto. Nine and a half is the total. is between minus 115 to a minus 125. The over is between minus 105 and plus 105. I said Jose Barrios and company. As a minus-123 favorite, I am going to be one to back the Toronto Blue Jays. And with Jose Barrios, he is not the worst pitcher in the world when he's at home. I absolutely never want any part of him when he's on the road until we really see some massive adjustments there. But you take a look at Jose Barrios at home, and throughout his career, he's always been a relatively solid pitcher. Jose Barrios at home, a career ERA that's hovering right around about a... 357. His home runs per nine rate at home is about a 0.8. It's more like a 1.5 on the road. On the road, a 497 ERA. So a full 1.4 point difference. And this is not a small sample size. This is since 2016. Jose Barrios is a guy that you're able back at home. On the road, not so much. Meanwhile, you've got Bryce Elder who's been doing a massive job this year for the Atlanta Braves. Buck 74 ERA. I think there's going to be a little bit of regression here, though. As for Elder, he's been able to get right around about seven abstract per nine innings. It's not like he's been, like, just some schlub or anything like that. At the same time, he's pitching above his skis. His fielding independent is a 367. He's given up about three walks per nine innings. He has been incredibly fortunate on balls and plays, walks per nine rate. I mean, it is just fine. And he's backed up by a bullpen that is. Fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. The Atlanta Braves entering into the series. They were 14th in terms of bullpen ERA for the Toronto Blue Jays. They're hovering right in the neighborhood of about 20th. So both of these teams have had their deficiencies there with the Atlanta Braves. I really like the way that Dylan Lee has been able to perform for the team. Right around about a 250 or so ERA. And then you got a lot of guys like Joey Menez, along with someone like Jesse Chavez, who is really getting up there in years. I mean, they've been okay. They've been not great. They've not been terrible. Kirby Yates has been a little bit awful, although Danny Young is someone that I do like. a Rossi Oglesias bags full Nemo for the Toronto Blue Jays. Just quit using Anthony Bass. This guy is focused more on popcorn on airplanes than he is pitching. It's not so great, but Tim Mayza, Eric Swanson, these guys have been incredible. Jordan Romano has been a little bit up and down this season, but you know that he's going to find it. I think that there's going to be positive progression with this round of Blue Jays lineup. Just 42 home runs in their first 37 games of the season. Entering into yesterday, you do have guys that are able to do an amazing job of reaching base. Sovaker, Junior Matt Chapman, Bobaschett. All these guys in north of the 312 entering into yesterday. Carrero and Bichette between the two of them. 15 home runs this far this season. You've got a guy in Whit Merrifield that's starting to show what he was able to show when he was with the Royals as he and Kevin Kiermaier are both hitting between about a 285 to a 290. I do think that Kiermaier is hitting a little bit above his skis right now, but I mean, with George Springer, Danny Jansen, Santiago Spenal, Kevon Biggio only below a 210, you know that they're going to be able to pick it up a little bit. Brandon Belt is starting to improve as well for the Atlanta Braves. They currently lead the National League. In terms of total home runs, you've got guys that are just ripping the cover off the balls. Ozzie Albies, Sean Murphy, nine home runs apiece entry. Into yesterday with Murphy providing a 428 on base, Ronald Acuna Jr. 440 on base, seven bombs entering into yesterday. Matt Olson 11 home runs, one of the top marks in the National League, and I do have a few guys like Marcel Zuna, company that need to pick it up a little bit. But now they've got Michael Harris back in the fold. Orlando Arcia has been good whenever he's been able to get at bats as well. So I do think that is an interesting spot for Jose Bedia's overall 491 ERA. But once again. Significantly better at home than on the road. And he's given up two runs or fewer. And now four out of his last five starts. So I did something I tell at 9.1. I think their regression is coming for Bryce Elder. Not enough to get a 9.5 over though. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under. i with the Jays. one to lay up to a minus 122 with them. 975, 976 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox play OC St. Louis Cardinals. Stephen Matz goes for the cards. And Chris Sale is on the bump for Boston. Boston is between a minus 115 to a minus 125 favorite. And between of 105 and plus 110 is your number on. St. Louis, 9.5 is the total. The over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And with the Red Sox, I set them at a minus 149. I'm going to be willing to back them with Stephen Matz. It's just really more of a fade of him than anything else because, I think mean, Chris Sale has not been good. He's got a 637 ERA. His walks are going up right around three walks per nine innings. Now, he's actually been able to show some really good swing and miss stuff right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. And if you look at the advanced numbers, he has been... Getting relatively unlucky on balls in play, and it does seem to be coming along for Stephen Mass. Three runs are Fear Surrender in three out of his last four games, so that's something that you're able to hang your hat on. And for Chris Sale, most of his deficiencies have come on the road. It's not like it's a dramatic improvement, but his road is a seven hundred twenty compared to a five twenty eight at home. So I mean you've got that and opponent's hearing about a two hundred twenty off of him at Fenway. Stephen Mass has just been awful. I mean the team is right now one and six in a seven starts and the one win came against the Detroit Tigers for Steven Mass. His ERA is right around about a five seventy, seven home runs at thirty-six and a third innings, walks per nine rate. It is approaching four. His strikeout number is about eight punch outs per nine innings. He has stunk at home. He has stunk on the road. He'll stink on planet Pluto if you send him there. Just not good. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera. These guys have been relatively solid in the bullpen, but Ryan Helsley mean, really since the back half of the 2022 season has it been himself. 3-1-4 ERA. He's starting to round back in a form a little bit more, but he's been a bit of a roll of the dice there. They're now without Giorgio Romero in the bullpen. James Naley, not great, not terrible. And And that's just really been the St. Louis Cardinals all season long. Not great, not terrible. 16th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. The Red Sox are not going to maintain the bullpen ERA of 8th like that entering into the series, by the way. I just do not believe that's going to be the case. Ryan Brazier, Richard Blyer are complete schlubs. John Schreiber is someone I like, and Josh Winkowski as well. The two Joshes are providing a sub-225 ERA, but Brendan Bernardino is right now giving you a sub-2 ERA. I'm sorry, he's just not that good. Meanwhile, you just... Take a look at Kenley Jansen, and throughout the history of time, he's always been a little bit of a roll of the dice, but for the Boston Red Sox, this team has been just on an absolute tear. They've been leading the league in terms of home batting average as far this season, as you've got so many guys that reach base. Justin Turner, Masataka Yoshida, Alex Verdugo. I'll give you at least a 360 on base as your top three hitters, and it's not like you're getting tremendous power out of either of these three guys. Yoshida's been able to give you six home runs as far this season, but they just do a great job of being able to give you extra base hits. Jaron Duran is sitting north of a 350 right now. You've been able to get a 300 average out of Emmanuel Valdez. You're getting it from everyone right now. Even someone like Connor Wong has been able to give you good, productive at-pats, and then you've got Rafael Devers with a double-digit amount of home runs as well. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's a case where the team has been hitting at home with nearly five runs per game, entered into yesterday with right around 3.6 runs per game on the road. They've just been getting really unlucky in general if you look at the advanced numbers, and I do think that they're going to be able to turn it around. Nolan Arenado has been a complete hot mess, but perhaps what he did yesterday, being able to go deep off of James Paxton, is going to be able to Turn things around as that was home run number four of the season from Paul DeYoung. has looked like a different era this year, sitting well above a 300. Paul Goldschmidt just continues to do what he does. Fewer home runs this year than he had a season ago, but that said, he's still hitting well above a 300, nearly a 400 on base. And then you've got Wilson Contreras, who I mean, that's not been trustworthy at the catcher spot, but he's been able to move the line and. He's just got a lot of guys for the St. Louis Cardinals in general that they've been sort of mad. They haven't been able to get those home runs, but they're reaching base. Why Jordan Walker's in the minors, I don't know, but Contreras, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, they're in between about a 255-270 with Gorman. he to be able to supply eight home runs this far this season. You've had Tommy Edmund be a little bit up and now, but he's able to supply a little bit of power as well. So this is a case where I do think that you're going to be able to get runs up on the board. I set my total at 9.4. So I'm going to take, be taking a look at the under just because I do think that there's a little bit of regression coming for the Boston Red Sox lineup. And in general, I do think that there's progression coming with Chris Sale and his pitching. So looking at the under, but with the Red Sox, Want to lay up to a minus 148 with them. 977, 978 on the banking board. The Baltimore Orioles playoffs to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So it'll only see Contreras goes for the Buccos. And Tyler Wells hopes to pitch Wells for Baltimore. Baltimore is any between a minus 150 to a minus 160 favorite. Between plus 130 and plus 140, your number on the Pirates. In half is the total. Over is between minus 115 to minus 120. The under that is any between minus 105 and even money and... With Baltimore, I did set them as a minus-164 favorite if you are taking a look at the run line, find that anywhere between about a plus-125 to a plus-135, I was willing to take a plus-115 or greater. Now, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, their pitching has been relatively solid this far this season. 11th in terms of bullpen area, and C. Contreras has been able to do his part, as for Mr. Contreras, very young 23-year-old kid that has been able to do a solid job to be able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up just two home runs over the course of 38 innings. Walks are something that he does need to work on. About four and a half walks per nine innings, but he's much better on the road than he has at home. 371 road ERA compared to a 557 ERA at home. though. opponents overall are 278 off of him. Just a case where the Pirates can't win if they can't score. They entered into yesterday scoring three runs or fewer in each out of their last nine games. Brian Reynolds has continued to be able to move line getting a 297, but this guy's been stuck on five home runs for seemingly an eon. You've got Jack Swininski along with Andrew McCutcheon, both supplying seven home runs, but these guys that got off to really good starts like Rodolfo Castro, Carlos Santana, the likes of that, they are starting to really regress. Miguel Anduar is now hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. You've got Topico Marcano, who's been really starting to see a little bit of slide as well. And this is actually a Pirates team that they do a solid job of being able to draw some walks. They've got some veteran leadership in Andrew McCutcheon that's been able to help them out. And for the bullpen itself, they've been solid. Jose Hernandez, David Benar, have been able to supply a sub-250 ERA. Yoan Ramirez has been solid as well, but... Feels like it's just all unrivaling for the team. And for Tyler Wells, he does a good job of just holding down the fort. Not a guy that's going to get you a lot of strikeouts. Right around 7 punch per 9 innings. And is giving up about 1.7 home runs per 9 innings. That's been a little bit of an issue giving up 5 home runs over the course of his last 3 starts, but he does a good job of not putting guys on cheaply. He's only been giving up about 1.6 walks per 9 innings. And in his 3 home starts thus far this season, 6 runs surrendered in 18 and 2 thirds innings. So been able to do a very nice job with that regard. Opponents are even less at of a 200 off of him. And he's backed up by a and that ranks fifth in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Yannick Cano has all of a sudden become like the best reliever in all baseball. I have no idea how. I have no idea why. But he has been. Mike Bauman has been able to give you some good long relief. He and Brian Baker have been able to do a nice job with Baker being able to supply more like a two ERA. Felix Batista, very good closer for the team there without Keegan Aiken. But he had been rough all season long. on Perez. Just has not been terrific thus far this season. But by and large, they've been able to do their part as well. And I do think that for Ronzi Contreras, he is going to have a little bit of a tough time with regards to the command. And going up against an Orioles lineup that they just have really good balance. They don't have that one guy that necessarily scares you, Ryan Mountcastle, entered into yesterday as the best power hitter for the team with eight home runs. But have a lot of guys that do a solid job of being reach base as you've been able to have Ore Mateo be able to supply 12 stolen bases. He gives you right around 325 on base. Ramon Urias has been dealing with some injuries. He is currently on the injury list, so that hurts some, but you still have Rushman providing four on base a little bit of power. Anthony Santander, he's really been able to pick it up after a rough start to the season with dealing with a bit of a back injury, and in the last 15 days, he's been able to supply four home runs, hitting north of a 350. So I do like the Orioles in this spot. I do think that they're going to be able to get to Contreras, and I do think that Tyler Wells is going to continue to shut down a Pirates team that just has been lost at the plate. So looking at the Baltimore Orioles on the run line, I... Did some, I told it in 8.6. So even though the Pirates have been struggling, I think that the Orioles are going to be online with the Rats. Taking a look at the Orioles' run line along with the 8.5 overhand. We have things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers play with the Kansas City Royals. As you've got Zach Greinke on the bump for the Kansas City Royals and Adrian, don't call him, Doogie Howser, is on the bump for Milwaukee. 9 and C total, over and under both at minus 110. With Milwaukee, they're between minus 155 to minus 165. Favorites between plus 135 and plus 145 your number on Kansas City. And for the Royals, needed at least a plus 160 to take a shot here. If you're looking at that first run line, setting between about a plus 120 to a plus 128 was willing to take a plus 118 or higher with them. With Adrian Hauser, he looked okay at the minor league level. He wasn't getting a ton of punch outs, but you never really rely upon that with Adrian Hauser. And at this point in his career, you know that you're not going to get any sort of swings and misses with Zach Granke as well. Granke he is back below six half punch-outs per nine innings, so I that is nothing new there. And for Zach Granke, he has been masterful at pitching at home. On the road, this guy has been getting destroyed. A 922 road era compared to a 321 home era. For Zach Granke, he has pitched north of 90 innings at home. Since he returned to Kansas City prior to the start of the 2022 season, he has given up 3 home runs at home in those 90-plus settings. Meanwhile, he's giving up north of 2 home runs per nine innings on the road. Meanwhile, for Adrian Hauser, first start of the season, well, solid against the San Francisco Giants. Gives up two runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, and the big thing for him, command looked better. He gave up just one walk in that start. Being a pitcher-contact guy like Hauser is, that is so important for him, and this is a Milwaukee Brewers team that, You've got a lot of guys that are just sort of milk toasts. They're not great. They're not terrible in the lineup. As entering into yesterday, you just had a big, giant glut of guys with between about a 306 to a 325 on base. With having Rodie Tellez, Owen Mitchell, Christian Yelich, Brian Anderson, William Thomas on that fold, having Garrett Mitchell out of the fold, that has hurt the scene quite a bit as... He's been dealing with quite a bit of an injury as I think that his season is pretty much done. But the entire catcher spot, William Contreras, Victor Carantini, these guys have been terrific. And then when it comes to Rowdy Tillas, 10 home runs thus far this season, Christian Yelich. Just continues to be a big, giant waste of money, but nothing new there. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, the bullpen ERA is a little bit deceiving because they entered into Friday with them being the 13th-ranked bullpen in terms of ERA. You take out that 9 spot that they gave up against the Boston Red Sox a few weeks ago in the 8th inning, and then they had, like, one bad stretch against the Colorado Rockies. This has legitimately been a top 6, top 7 bullpen in terms of ERA. And many of the guys that gave up all those runs, like, I'm looking at you, Javi Guerra. They have now been DFA'd. Matt Bush is currently not with the team as well, but Gus Farland, Joel Piams. These are a pair of guys giving you a sub-3 ERA. Bryce Wilson has been good in long relief. Elvis Pigueto, he has been solid. They, they all tried to get the ball to Devin Williams, who has been at but It's locked down as it gets. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, this bullpen is not been locked down, 27th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. A Chapman has actually been relatively okay, but Scott Barlow has been reliable year and year has not been that this far this season. A 440 ERA, you've been able to get nothing whatsoever out of so many of these long guys like Taylor Clark, Jose Kuas and company, Josh Shemount starting to look a little bit more like himself, but for the Kansas City Royals, just want to have a lot of boom with regards to this offense as well as you got a pair of guys in Salvador Perez, a couple with Vinny Pescantino. they're hanging above a 285, both entered into yesterday with seven home runs, but you've got Nate Eaton, Hunter Dozier, Jackie Bradley Jr., MJ Melendez, Fran Reyes, whole bunch of guys in 215 or lower, Bobby Wood Jr., I think about a 225, though, he's been able to supply a little bit of power, but I do think that you're going to get a relatively good start out of Adrian Hauser. with that cranky? He is very untrustworthy on the road. But this Royals offense is one that I can't trust in as well. So did somebody tell told an 8.3. Taking a look at the under with the Brewers. Needed at least a plus 118 to take a shot on the run line. So looking at their run line. And I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And that will wrap things up. For the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Veasan Family Podcast, a big thanks to Ben Wilson over here at Veasan for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. By that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.